I just want to take a second to talk about how special our nutrition program is. The food that we create here at Sakara is designed to transform your gut and your microbiome health. And when you do that, you change everything about who you are. You change your mental health, you change your physical health, you change your spiritual health, you change your cellular health. That diversity of ingredients that you're getting into your body changes the diversity of bacteria in your gut, which is the epicenter of your health. And it supports your total body health, your immune system, your metabolism, your skin clarity and skin health and how you age. And so I want to invite you, if you haven't tried Saqqara before, you don't need to do this whole big shebang, clear your week and, and your schedule to do it. Figure out what is holding you back from giving yourself this gift, giving this, yourself this step on your path to taking really good care of yourself. You deserve to feel good. You deserve to feel nourished in your body. And we are here to help you do that. And wait, we just have to say the one thing we always forget to say. Oh, yeah. It's really, really delicious. We <laughs> always talk about how it'll transform your body and your health and your microbiome. But man, our chefs are talented. It's delivered to your door, ready to eat. And it is so delicious. And that, by the way, is part of the nutrition because you should enjoy the path to creating a body you feel good in. It should not feel like you're depriving yourself. I literally just ate chocolate, banana, granola. I had a cookies and cream parfait. I was actually thinking when I was pouring the milk this morning, I was like, I can't believe I used to think I had to deprive myself to have a body I felt good and to have a body I felt sexy in. That's been the biggest change for me. Mm. So that's our wish for all of you, is to give you the food that helps you feel good and sexy. You can find more details and how to customize your own plan on Saqqara.com and enjoy 20% off your first order of our Saqqara Signature Nutrition Program with code POD. That's code P-O-D at checkout for 20% off your first order. Order now. So today's episode is a little different. We decided to pick a topic to talk about today, and we've invited our in-house nutrition expert, Colleen Coffey, here to join us. And the topic today, drumroll, Whitney, <laughs> yes, is poop. poop. I know. We're going to make it sexy, I promise. Well, as sexy as poop can be. <laughs> so the first thing we wanted to talk about, we're going to get into some nitty-gritty details here. But the first thing we wanted to talk about is poop as a vital sign. So Colleen, what are some other vital signs so people know what we mean when we say vital sign? Yeah, that's a great, great question. So essentially a vital sign is a measure of our body's basic function. So I'm sure many of you have been to the doctor. You've gotten these different things tested out like temperature, blood pressure, oxygen saturation, your respiratory rate. And these are essentially all measurements that healthcare professionals use as information gathering to determine if what's going on inside of you is kind of at your healthiest you. Yeah, and I feel like they're kind of outdated. So like some people like Dr. Riva Ram we've had on the podcast talks about how 
Annalisa Vitti, who we've had on the podcast, talks about how your period should be a vital sign, like the color of your menstrual blood, et cetera. But Whitney, tell us about poop as a vital sign. It was a big part of my journey to Saqqara, I would say. I had, as many of our listeners know, I had terrible cystic acne for over a decade of my life. And I saw so many doctors on this journey. And I will tell you that not a single one of them asked me if I was pooping or what it was like, shape, size, color, floating, not floating, nothing. They didn't ask me, yeah, if I was having a bowel movement at all. And now that we know how the gut is connected to the skin, how it's connected to, there's a gut brain access, gut skin access. It's the epicenter of our health. It makes sense that we need to be talking about poop as just one of the windows into how healthy is our gut, into the window of our gut health. I feel like poop tells a really good story about what's going on within us. I feel like it would be great if we could talk about what poop actually is. Ooh, tell us, Colleen. (laughs) Poop is kind of this mixture, right, of bacterial biomass, so just bacteria from within your gut, within your body. It's water. It's undigested carbs and fiber, but also fat and protein. It's dead cells from within our GI tract. And then there's also kind of a mixture of some metabolic waste in there, too. So what kind of to your point is is that, you know, our poop and irregularities in our poop, maybe the smell or the color or the texture, are all different ways that we can determine if things going on on the inside are working as they should or if there are some imbalances kind of happening. And I was very constipated. Danielle, you mentioned Dr. Aviva Ram, who we've had on the podcast. I remember in one of our Sakara sessions, we had her on and she talked about her patients coming in and she would ask them, she is a doctor that asks you about your pooping habits, she would say, are you regular? And they'd say, yes, Friday at 3 p.m. on the dot, every Friday. She's (laughs) like, that is not regular. Regular is different than predictable. (laughs) I just want to add one thing to help people imagine what Colleen is saying. So we're talking about biomass. We're talking about dead bacterial cells making up a lot of the weight of our poo. And imagine how important the diversity of strains of bacteria in our gut is. Because remember, that's the number one predictor of a healthy gut. And so if you've ever gotten food poisoning, which I'm pretty sure we all have, that is quite literally an invasive bacterial species that gets too out of balance. So, you know, let's just say E. coli, for example. You know, E. coli is residing in our gut naturally. It's a good thing to have in our gut at the right amount. But if you get E. coli poisoning from a food, then that means that there's way too much E. coli in our digestive tract, and that can cause all the symptoms we associate with food poisoning from diarrhea to bloating to vomiting, et cetera. But that's how much of an indicator our poo is of our health, because if you think even just one bacterial strand gets out of whack, it can have major effects on not just the consistency of our poo, but also all of these other symptoms like bloating, fatigue, nausea, dehydration, et cetera. Exactly. It really has to be this kind of healthy balance of 
everything that goes into it. And just like you said, D, if one thing gets either too much or too little, it can cause these kind of imbalances in our poop, which is a vital sign. And so, Colleen, how often should we be pooping? Yes, that's a really good question. So for the most part, we like to say that you're going at least one to two times per day. And it's not just the amount of times or the frequency that you're going per day, but it is the consistency also of your poop as well. So we want to make sure that it's really solid and formed, but not too hard. And we also want to make sure it's not too loose as well. And then as far as smell, you know, there there will be a slight odor, but if it is super odorous, that is also a flag that maybe something is not quote unquote normal. Right. And you don't want it to be like too difficult to go to the bathroom either. That's a really big one where like it can feel like, oh, that was a lot of effort. So that counts as like a full evacuation, but it might, it might not. Yeah. Like effort does not equal your right. vital side. And you can be pooping and still be constipated if you're not fully eliminating. Yeah. Too. Exactly. Yeah, which gets confusing. And I think for anyone listening, this is where I just constantly come back to body intelligence. Like we all know, I mean, Oprah talks about it all the time about like how good it feels to have a great poo. We all know, <laughs> we all know yes. what that feels like. She jokes, there's like no better feeling and it's true. And so you know what that feels like Bruh. and like we're aiming to get that feeling every day. And so if it's not that, it's probably some form of, you know, diarrhea or constipation or somewhere on that spectrum. And then I also just want to add, because I can feel myself tensing up just like having this conversation. It's like, oh, did I go today? And I get this way about my kids. <laughs> I ask them, I'm like, did you poo today? And so they know to kind of like report into me. But it's like also stress and anxiety is the antithesis to a really great poop. So don't get stressed about this conversation. There are, so we're going to talk about so many things that you can do, but it's like you have to be proactive and thoughtful, but also not a stress case about it. Exactly. I would love to talk about too why what we eat is as important as how we process it and kind of talking about our poop and the GI tract. So I would love to hear kind of both of your thoughts on that. Yeah. I mean, I think about, again, back to body intelligence, like well, first of all, I want to ask you guys a question on this topic. Have either of you had a colonic? Yes. I tried it a lot on my journey trying to clear my skin. I thought I needed to like cleanse the shit out of myself. <laughs> literally. <laughs> yes, figuratively and literally. So, I mean, I made it to level two in colonics where you can do them on yourself, where you literally you go to the colonic place and level one is where you have a professional do it for you and then level two is where you can it's like this big chair that you sit on and you can do them to yourselves so I tried it I wouldn't say that it worked for me in clearing my skin because as we talk about Sakara, it's not just about elimination but it's about what you're putting into your body and giving it the right ingredients to operate properly and function at its best. But yes, tried it. I'm not a huge fan of colonics. I think they destabilize your gut a lot. But I think it's one of the few times you get to like look at and maybe understand what is in your poo, where like we typically just flush it down. 
and don't spend a lot of time looking at it. But unless remember, you're doing a stool sample too, like you're doing a stool sample. <laughs> Those yeah. are very intimate. <laughs> Those are very intimate. But like, yeah, I remember when I got my first clonic, she could like tell what I had been eating, and I was like, that is either great news or really bad news. <laughs> like you see like undigested food. Yeah. So like, I guess, Colleen, are there things you can look out for? Like if you just look down in the toilet and like, no, you talked about consistency and if it's like floating and not floating, difficult to pass or not, but like, what should you look out for? Yeah. I think this goes back to what you eat versus what you digest. And those are two really different things. So, right, so what we eat is breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks, whatever goes into our mouth throughout the day. But what we digest is what actually gets broken down, absorbed, and utilized by our body. And so if our digestive capacity is lower than it should be, when we look down and inspect what's going on in the toilet after we do poop, if we see something like oily poop or, again, really smelly poop, that might go to show that we're not breaking down all of the fat that we're eating. And if we're not breaking down our fat, that also means we're probably not absorbing the fat-soluble vitamins like A, D, E, and K, which are also essential for total body health. And so that's kind of a clue of like, okay, you know, something's going on there. I think another thing we can look for is, you know, if we have that loose stool or diarrhea, same thing as, you know, we're probably flushing out electrolytes and other really essential water-soluble nutrients with that, like the B vitamins. And then any undigested food also could be pointing us to we're not fully digesting or breaking down or utilizing the food that is going into our mouths. And so do you think that's like chewing more? Do people need to be taking digestive enzymes, you know, hydrochloric acid? Yeah, I think it's dependent. And I, you know, would love to kind of walk through the entire digestive tract because I think it's a lot more than than meets the Your eye. Colon. <laughs> exactly. It's a lot more than the stomach. It's a lot more than the colon. It really depends. It could start with the mouth and maybe we're not chewing our food like long enough or enough. Colleen, are you saying our poop starts in our mouth? Our poop starts <laughs> in our mouth, which you would never think that was true, but it Great is. Great tagline. It totally yes. does. Yeah. I think about this all the time, though, about how important chewing really is, that in your saliva, you have these digestive enzymes that start breaking down the food. And if you're not like swishing it around, covering it in your saliva, then it's not getting enough of those enzymes even to start with. Exactly. And on top of that, we have microbiome in our mouth, our oral microbiome, and they also help in that enzymatic activity and breaking down our food. And so the mouth really is such an essential piece to digesting our food. And then, you know, it comes out the other end and we can tell what's going on. And, you know, starting in the mouth might be a good place to start in terms of digestion. Okay. So what's next? After the mouth. Well, I'm going to back up and go with digestion actually really starts with the eyes and the nose. And I know that, Danielle, you say this a lot, but it really does. From the moment that we look at or smell food, it stimulates our brain to start releasing that saliva with that you mentioned to help in kind of masticating and breaking down the food that we're about to eat. So really taking a moment before you eat to look at your food, to smell your food, to kind of take it all in before it actually goes into your mouth. And from there, then we break it down as much as we can to kind of a mushy consistency. 
Then we swallow it. The food drops through your esophagus into your stomach. And in your stomach, this food is mixed with different gastric juices like hydrochloric acid, which is your stomach acid, pepsin. And these different juices help in breaking down proteins and different macronutrients. And it turns it into this kind of semi-liquid mixture called chyme. And from there, that chyme then drops into your small intestine. And that's where kind of the next part of digestion takes over. I would say this is where majority of digestion and nutrient absorption occurs. This is really where our macronutrients or fat, our carbs, our protein, our micronutrients, like our vitamins and minerals, and our water are all absorbed. The small intestine is I want to say 9 to 16 feet in length, which is crazy when you think about it in terms of where it is in your body. But there's a lot of surface area there, you know, where our nutrition really can be absorbed. And then not to mention we have bacteria in our small intestine, which also help in kind of that breakdown of carbs and fats and proteins that are not fully digested or broken down in the stomach. Yeah, I think a lot of times people think gut and they think only like maybe your colon. For sure. But you have like bacteria, really important bacteria all throughout your digestive system that play a critical role. And so when you think about your general microbiome, it might be centered in the gut. But as Colleen said, you know, it's really important to have a healthy oral microbiome, et cetera. Exactly. I think the other kind of key players, like as we talk about the small intestine and breaking down our food, are organs that we don't even think of when it comes to digestion. So things like your liver your gallbladder, which like a lot of people don't even think it relates to digestion, your pancreas, all play a really fundamental role in digesting and absorbing our food. So the pancreas produces enzymes. Those are proteins that help in breaking down our proteins, our fats, our carbs. Our liver creates bile, which is then stored in our gallbladder, and that helps in really breaking down that fat and making sure that we can absorb those fat-soluble vitamins. And then our liver is also a really key piece, not only for detoxification, which it definitely plays a really critical role in that, but it also processes the different nutrients that are absorbed from our food. So the health of all these different organs is really critical in making sure that this digestive process happens at, at optimal capacity. Yeah, and I think a lot of times people don't think of pooing every day as a detoxification method. But it absolutely is. It's how we get rid of so many things that we actually shouldn't be keeping in our body. And one of the reasons going to the bathroom every single day is important for both men and women, but especially for women, is that one of the things that is in your poop is estradiol or estrogen. And if you don't poo every single day, you can actually recycle it. And that can lead to things like estrogen dominance, that's just one of the things, many things we're detoxing in our poo and why regularity is essential to overall health. Tell me, Danielle, if this is the same for you, but I get so many people writing to me through Instagram, mainly, telling me about how our probiotic has completely changed their gut, their digestive system, and really their lives. A nice place to start for people who are curious and are also experiencing gut issues is the probiotic. It has three really important things. It has probiotics, 
It has prebiotics, which are the food that feeds the probiotics, and it has both digestive and systemic enzymes. So digestive enzymes help with food. Systemic enzymes are actually really critical too and not talked about a lot, but systemic enzymes help clean up other parts, the kind of like trash center for debris in your body. How all three work together is really what makes our probiotic just so special. I'm kind of obsessed with enzymes right now. You don't need to be taking 500 million, billion, trillion CFUs of probiotics every single day to get the impact. You need to be taking the right ones in the right combination that are high quality with the prebiotics, with the enzymes that is going to get you the results that you're looking for. For me, this was part of changing my skin. This was part of clearing and healing my skin was through healing my gut. And yes, it was in combination with our Sakara Nutrition Program. But I think this was the little extra booster that I needed on top of it to really make that difference. You can find more details on Sakara.com and enjoy 20% off your first order of our complete probiotic with code POD. That's P-O-D at checkout on Sakara.com. I actually was just telling, who was I telling? I was telling someone this exact thing about rest and digest and that when we are in fight or flight mode and we're stressed and we have high cortisol and we're not relaxing, our digestive system actually does not work as well. And it's likely that you can lead to constipation for some people that can lead to diarrhea, which is, you know, really just as bad. Constipation is not worse than diarrhea. They're both not where you want to be. And so activating the parasympathetic nervous system allows our digestive system to kick into high gear because when you're stressed out, it's one of the first things the body starts to shut down. And so doing those, like for my family and I do three deep breaths before every meal just to activate that parasympathetic nervous system. I didn't tell them that's what they're doing. <laughs> you know, those deep like belly breaths where you really expand your belly, your rib cage, you breathe into your back. Those are the types of things that start to tell, you know, our vagus nerve that everything's okay. And as we know, our vagus nerve is the highway between our gut and our brain. Right. And it makes sense that when we become stressed, that our digestive system shuts down. And especially if we're in this chronic state of stress that we get chronic constipation because if we were animals out in nature, our body is not going to be like, hey, just stop running from that bear for a minute and take a poop over here. You know, it's going to be like, we're good. Keep running. <laughs> we'll hold it. So your body's not going to send you those signals of feeling like you need to eliminate. If we're stressed and we're running around, running to work, running to do, 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 we need to make time for our bodies to get into that rest and digest mode. Have you seen this? It's been kind of trending on social media platforms where people are talking about this bookstore phenomenon where when people go <laughs> into bookstores or into a library, they feel like they need to go to the bathroom. Because they're so relaxed. They're so calm. <laughs> it's something about, yeah, reading. Something Maybe it's about the books. smell of coffee and... <laughs> That's a lot of factors. And sitting combined. down and reading a book, yeah. You know, I think the other obvious 
thing is getting the right foods. One of the biggest components of making sure you're getting the right food is getting enough of the right kinds of fiber and a diversity of fiber, really thinking about it from a whole food perspective. So a a woman last night at dinner was asking me, like, is it okay to take, what's that tea? It's like smooth move tea. And I said, you know, it has senna leaf in it. So it has like a real laxative in it. And sure, like if you're in a pension traveling or whatever your reason is, if it's every once in a while, okay. Because it also has some like really good herbs and things in there. But, you know, laxatives, there's been studies showing laxatives, long-term use can lead to issues with mental health and mental capacity and cognition later in life. So not just dependence, but other side effects as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And what fiber does, and when you get the right fibers, you want to be feeding the right bacteria, but also adding bulk to your poop because you need bulk to move through the digestive system. Mm -hmm. And I think one thing people really don't understand is that fiber isn't one thing. I think when I say fiber, people probably think like, oh, Metamucil. Metamucil is one type of insoluble fiber and it's psyllium husk. And so you're getting one type and which by the way, if you have one type in a powder all the time, your body and your microbes can get used to it and it can be less effective. So it's really important to get a diversity of fibers from whole food sources because those whole food sources, like the difference between, let's say, like a pineapple fiber and a banana fiber are going to feed different bacterial species. And then, Colleen, I'd love for you to go over because people might have heard of soluble fiber versus insoluble fiber versus prebiotic. So can you kind of demystify some of those things? Yes. So I agree with you. Fiber is kind of like this umbrella term for a few different things within it. So Under that fiber umbrella is insoluble fiber, soluble fiber, and also prebiotic fiber. So soluble fiber is that fiber that can become a little bit sticky when you mix it with water. I always like to say when you eat it in your body, it kind of has this sticky effect. And research has found that eating soluble fiber is actually associated with different health outcomes like lowering blood pressure, lowering serum cholesterol levels, improving your blood sugar regularity, insulin sensitivity. There are so many great benefits to eating soluble fiber. That being said, there's also insoluble fiber, which is a little bit more rough. I always like to think of like the roughage in kale as being kind of that insoluble fiber. And what that does in the body mainly is it can bulk our stool up, right? So if we are experiencing something like loose stool or diarrhea, eating insoluble fiber can actually work on bulking up that stool so that our stool can become a little bit more solid and a little bit healthier when we do go. And then in that same breath, there's also prebiotic fibers. So Danielle, what you were kind of referring to is these different sources of fiber that can nourish our gut microbiome, right? So our gut microbiome, just like our pets at home, need food and we have to feed it food in order for it to flourish and thrive. But we want to make sure that we're getting that diversity And so the way that we can do that is by eating diverse sources of plants throughout the day, but also throughout the week. One finding that was really interesting from the American Gut Project, which is the world's largest study on the gut microbiome, showed that people who eat more than 30 different plants a week have a much more diverse and much more thriving gut microbiome than those who ate 
10 or fewer. So I think that just goes to show the more diversity that you can get of these prebiotic fibers, the better off your gut microbiome will be. Right. And really that gut microbiome is our immune system. It's doing so many different things for us, but it's like 80% of our serotonin is created in the gut. So it's really giving those microbes the food to be able to produce their metabolites and, and do the things that they need to do in our body, creating vitamins for us, creating hormones for us. They do so much more than just digest our food. Exactly. And I'd love to demystify where fiber comes from. So do you guys want to talk about a little bit where fiber exists in nature? Yeah. I mean, I'd argue fiber is in every single whole food, right? For sure. Do I, do I get a prize? <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Five stars. Five I, stars. Think, I think of like a bark on a tree. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, like for context, there are some anthropological studies that show that our ancestors were getting upwards of 100 grams of fiber a day. And it, I mean, it makes sense if you think about what it must have meant to be nomadic, walking around. You definitely weren't hunting something every single day. Well, most people weren't, depending on where you lived, if you were near the coast, et cetera. But, you know, you're walking around eating leaves and tubers and you're getting a lot of fiber. And so, you know, the general kind of, can it's I wouldn't call it a consensus, like the kind of Western medicine approach, USDA approach is saying to get 25 grams of fiber. Functional medicine says you should get closer to 50 grams of fiber a day. The average American is getting 10 to 15. And that's because 60% of our diet is made up of, you know, ultra-processed foods. And there is nothing... There's truly like nothing great about an ultra-processed food. And quite literally what you end up stripping it of is water and fiber. And it's like the sugars that are left over. And then, you know, most of the time added salt, added fat, added chemicals, sometimes, you know, added vitamins. But it's almost always stripped of all the fiber, which is what a lot of people, especially in the functional medicine space, you know, think that when we're seeing this epidemic of chronic health issues, chronic metabolic issues, and a lower diversity of gut microbes, there's so many factors. There's environmental toxins, there's antibiotic use, but also we're not feeding them because we are eating such a processed diet. Exactly. Yeah, 95% of people are deficient in fiber, but what's more is that only one in 10 people are getting enough fruits and vegetables every day. And that's really the source that we need to be getting our fiber from. Yeah. And it's hard. I mean, that's why Whitney and I started a food company. <laughs> Everybody always thinks like, give me a recipe. Tell me how you do it. And I'm like, I do it by eating Saqqara. Like, I truly don't know if I could when I'm traveling and not with Saqqara. I have to be extremely intentional, extremely intentional. And I will tell you that if you are looking to follow a whole food plant forward diet, it is not easy and it does take consideration, intention, and time. And there are tricks and you can like pre-cook things, but the easiest things to grab are the processed foods. 
And so in order to be intentional and say like, oh, I'm not going to do crackers and hummus. I'm going to do, you know, cut up vegetables and hummus. That's an easy one. That's maybe one extra step. But when you start thinking about dinner, you know, and not making whatever it is, pasta, which I made for my kids last night, so I have no judgment, but like on an ongoing basis, on a regular basis, you're going to have to soak and then make rice instead. It's just, it is extra steps that I don't think most of us have the time to do. And so there's that side of having the time to be able to prepare the food. And then a funny thing that I hear from some of our clients when they're just starting out with us is how it takes them so much longer to actually eat through their meals, that they aren't used to chewing their food as much as they have to when they're eating a meal that's filled with this much fiber. You know, maybe they're used to eating cheese and chicken and bread or tortilla are these soft things that they can just do a few chews on and then swallow it down. And when you're eating an entire bowl filled with fruits and vegetables and leafy greens, fibrous foods, you have to really take your time to chew it and swallow it in a way that so many of us aren't. It's also connected to like the the look of our jaw. Ooh, I forget what it is, Colleen. Maybe you remember the studies around it, but because we're chewing so much less, the shape of our jaws are changing, which is crazy. That is fascinating. I mean, it does make sense too. You got to work the muscles in order yeah, to get it's them. A workout. To exactly. Get <laughs> An epic Sakara salad. It's so true. If you want that strong <laughs> jaw and lifted cheekbones, yeah, eat exactly. your veggies. Chew your food. I think mm-hmm. along with that, I I'm really curious. You know what? Do you wish that people knew or how do you wish that people acted in order to nourish their digestion, given how important it is? I think mine is really like back to that idea of actually eating a whole food versus a pretend whole food, like a cracker is just not a whole food. And this is advice I have to take too, you guys. This is not me like on a soapbox. It's hard, and especially if you have kids and snacks and you need things on the go and you're traveling or whatever it is. You have to be so intentional. But my rule is like when I'm really trying to go hard and let's say, you know, I spend some time in Central America and the the worst part about that is that I don't have my Saqqara meals. And so I try and be really intentional. And we just had our January reset and I was in Central America for part of it. So I kind of did my own version. And that was, you know, all of our nutrition pillars and a whole food plant forward diet. And so I was really trying to stay from anything processed unless I made it myself. So like if I made homemade muffins from whole foods, that's okay. But like, I'm not going to do store-bought crackers or store-bought cereal or store-bought oatmeal or store-bought muffins or whatever it is. It's like, if you can stick to only whole foods, so like have some steamed sweet potatoes instead of the pasta or have like, it made such a difference in my digestion. It was like being on Saqqara. And that's what we do at Saqqara. Like anything that you're eating that's like a muffin, it was homemade by our chefs with whole foods. And then lunch and dinner are a boatload of fruits and vegetables and legumes, et cetera. And that's when you really start to see your digestion change because you're feeding the bacteria, you're getting all that fiber and your digestive system can kind of do what it's supposed to do. You're also getting so much hydration in our meals that a food in its whole food form contains the essential fibers that you need 
the antioxidants and the nutrients and the water and the hydration all together in this perfect form, you know, is made by nature. It can't be more perfect than that. And when you eat it that way, you're getting those nutrients and the hydration at the right time in your digestive system. So instead of, you know, drinking water and it kind of flushing through your system, you're getting the water maybe lower down in your digestive system and it can help with that process of digestion because it does take water to digest your food. It does take hydration to move through your your colon. So I think that that's another important piece. And you're not going to find that on a nutrition fact label, like how much water is in this processed food. There is no water in those processed foods. That's what makes it shelf-stable is not having water in it. That's a game changer for your digestive system too. Yeah, with that too, talking about a nutrition panel and and what people consider when they eat, I, I feel like my biggest takeaway from knowing how important digestion is and how important poop is, is really that I wish everyone, sometimes me included, focused on counting fiber and water and nutrients so much more than they focused on counting the macros or the calories of their food, because I think it just goes to show that there's so much more information in our food beyond how many calories are in it. Yeah, it's such a good point why calories are not an indication of how well this food is going to nourish you. Exactly. Okay, so Whitney and I are going to move into our version of a rapid-fire Q&A. We're terrible at them, but we're going to do our best. So Colleen, thank you so much for joining us. And I think as a gift to our listeners, can you kind of summarize like three major takeaways you want our listeners to have? Yes, it was so fun to be here. Thank you for having me. I think as three takeaways. Number one is look at your poop. When you poop, look at what's going on. Assess what's happening. Number two really is to nourish your gut from the mouth all the way down to the bottom. And the third is really focus on getting that diversity of plants every week. 30 or more plants, as many as you can, because that really is going to impact your digestion and then that will impact your overall health. Love it. Thank you so much, Colleen. 